Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. On this episode of Health Matters, uh, a dear friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Ann Escher, is going to be telling us a bit about what she's doing. She is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Occupational Therapy. She's also the Level 1 Fieldwork Coordinator. For people that don't know what Fieldwork Coordinator is, can you start with what is Fieldwork? Well, Karen, thank you for asking, and thanks for having me today. This is great fun. Um, level one, fieldwork in general in an occupational therapy program are the clinical experiences, the world experiences that provide students the chance to observe uh, occupational therapy happening, explore different environments where OTs might work, um, and have some experiences with populations um, they might work with in the future. Level one fieldwork um, are the sort of fieldworks that happen before students are finished with their didactic experience. So in our program, we have four level one fieldworks. One, each semester the students are on campus, and um, they are spread throughout the semester for eight weeks, once a week. Students are in a community, in a setting for three to four hours about each visit. And um, that is different than level two fieldwork, which comes later after the didactic portion. And that's more of a full-time internship. Yeah, so I think many people know the word internship. And yeah. so in the occupational therapy world, we have our own we language. Do. We prefer field work. We feel field work. Yeah. So maybe you can give some examples of, of some of the level one field work um, experiences that students are having, you know, now and maybe in the past. Sure. Uh, we focus our first level one field work on community-based settings, and those settings uh, may be something like a, um, a day habilitation for adults with intellectual disabilities, um, or a um, school, uh, moving to more traditional settings, schools, rehabilitation hospitals, other sort of hospital settings, outpatient clinics. Um, in the fourth semester, though, we have a very exciting fieldwork experience, and that's the group leadership experience. We, call, we love, lovingly call it the GLE, <laughs> that's right? right? That's right. <laughs> and in the group leadership experience, students actually take all of the skills that they've been working on for the two full years that they've been um, in the program, and they bring those skills to a community um, setting where they are able to actually implement a group and they do a weekly group for about 10 weeks in the semester. And that has been an extraordinary uh, area of growth and um, ability to explore different kinds of settings for students. So 
for instance, um, we have a very close partnership with the Museum of Science in the Boston Public Schools. And students bring groups of children who are in a sub-separate classroom for uh, children with autism to the museum. They work with the museum educators to create experiences where the students, while learning about science in a natural environment, they're also having social interactions with the other students in the program. Another um, group leadership experience that uh, is a relatively recent one and one that I'm really excited about is one at the House of Corrections right here, the Suffolk House, uh, County House of Corrections. And um, this came out of students' passion. They, three students uh, went to the National OT Conference and came back and said, Anne, we need to be working in with incarcerated populations. This is such an important role. And I had already been thinking about it, but that was the sort of the cue to action for me to go out and find a setting where our students could be involved. And luckily, we discovered the um, women's program at the House of Corrections. Um, this is a jail that uh, is for folks who are incarcerated for about two and a half years or less. So it's a short-term kind of prison. And um, uh, the women make up about 10% of the total population. There are about 1,900 um, people incarcerated there. So the students went in and ran a group. The women themselves named it. Diver what was it called? Diverse OT. Diversity. Diverse OT. Um, and the women named it and were very involved in the... Um, in all of the activities the students planned. They really focused on skills that the women could use out back in the community when they transitioned home. Skills such as problem solving, goal setting, um, thinking about strategies about if I encounter the, the, this situation, how will I deal with it? Okay, I've, I've figured that out. I'm gonna practice that here. And so the students had um, the women make goals for themselves, a weekly goal for on the unit where they were incarcerated. And then they'd check back in with the, with the women about how did it go. And um, the idea is to really get them in the uh, habit of using these strategies so that when they go into the community, they can use them as well. And that was just one group. Occupational therapy has so many applications in that environment. Just basic self-care skills and cooking again and being able to um, be back in the community and integrate back um, with skills that are healthy. Um, all are within the occupational therapy scope and the roles and routines and developing ones that are going to help the women maintain um, their uh, uh, successful engagement. Yes, back at, yes, thank you. Yes, exactly. Successful engagement. Yeah. And and um, parenting, because Absolutely. many of them um, have to resume being, you know, a wife, a daughter, a mother, a, a, a mom, um, all of those important roles. Absolutely. I don't have the statistic right in front of me, but a, a very large percentage of women in prisons um, are mothers. Um, so these very important roles that they're trying to reintegrate into their everyday life that they can bring back home. 
So you said that there were um, this was student initiated. Mm-hmm. Um, are you finding that um, the students are continuing in this context? Well, these students um, enjoyed their experience so much and really saw the need for OT at the House of Corrections in the women's program. So they volunteered over the summer to continue the group that they had started. Um, And then one of those students also, after she completed these level two full-time field works, um, completed her doctoral capstone at the House of Corrections in the women's program. Um, In that role, she expanded um, to actually also working with the corrections officers at the House of Corrections. Um, And that was, she conducted an entire workshop with them around sensory strategies to help them deal with the trauma of their everyday um, life as a corrections officer. Um, It's a very challenging job, as you can imagine. And so she was able to interact with the corrections officers and the women. Um, She did a program evaluation of the women's group programming. And the long and the short of it, Karen, is that she's now hired there as the first occupational therapist at the Suffolk House of Corrections. Um, it's that is such a great narrative. Um, it sounds like you know you, if you're passionate about something and follow through with it, and work with your level one fieldwork coordinator <laughs> <laughs> to make it happen. It can happen. It can happen. Um, and so, what's her, what is 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 she called an occupational therapist? Yes, there? she's been hired as an occupational H- hired therapist. as a full time position. It's a part time position, mm-hmm. and that was actually. Um, her desire. I think it's 30 hours maybe um, because she also understands the um, pressures of being in that kind of environment and wanted to make sure that she wasn't didn't burn out too quickly. Um, so I think that was a very smart strategy for her. And um, will she continue to have occupational therapy students coming there as oh, well? Yes. Believe it or not, already this semester she's working with the new pair of group leadership experience students who are going to be running a group at the House of Corrections. That's wonderful. So yeah, we're really um, so excited about this. And this is such an emerging and important area for occupational therapy. So I'm so happy we're doing this in Massachusetts. So do you think we'll, you'll, we'll be looking at other places to have this model working, you know, close by to the Boston University area? Or do you think you'll stay put here and maybe expand um, what the students are doing? within um, the corrections facilities? Well, with Emily in um, the sort of uh, system, (laughs) so to speak, um, the sky's the limit, I would say. We'd like to start closer to Boston and continue to see um, how we can partner with places. We'd love to partner with um, actual reintegration um, centers where Uh, people who are incarcerated may go before they go back into their community. That's more of a home environment. Um, They may work during the day. Um, I think there would be a great role for OT. So people who are listening to um, this episode of Health Matters, if you are someone who's working in this area, perhaps you can reach out to Anne. Oh, um, I'd love it. Please. And, yeah, and Anne's uh, email um, is on the Boston University Sargent College website, and you can easily get that by putting in her name. So, Anne, this this is exciting, and I can see from your face how um, joyful it is mm-hmm. to 
to have the students trying, you know, so many different things um, and applying the importance of occupational therapy, which is making sure we are looking at uh, the occupation, that it's client-centered and evidence-based. You also are involved um, in the area of productive aging as well mm -hmm. and have done um, some work in that. So maybe tell us just a little bit about that as well because that's, that's um, your other area of scholarship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, most recently, my primary focus within the area of productive aging has been with adults with um, communication disorders actually. And so um, primarily um, folks who've had aphasia, which is a communication disorder which results after either a stroke or a traumatic brain injury to the language center in the brain. And um, we work closely, I've worked closely with speech and language pathologists um, to um, be addressing sort of the whole client. And so sometimes occupational therapy can be looking at some of maybe um, the physical or adaptations folks need um, in order to go back to their meaningful occupations while speech is focused on the uh, regaining of language and communication. And it's just a wonderful partnership um, because both of us see so much what we teach each other so much about, about our different disciplines and we both bring um, important aspects to the table. So I've learned very, very much from my speech-language pathology colleagues in that environment. We have actually right now um, an interdisciplinary, interprofessional um, cooking group um, one time a year um, that is run by Craig Slater, the interprofessional director at Sargent College. And um, it's speech-language pathology occupational therapy and nutrition. And we have students involved. They really um, plan and run the groups. Uh, nutrition will find the, um, the recipe. Perhaps it's a Sergeant Choice recipe. And they'll then the speech language pathology students and the OT students will work together to adapt the recipe and make it um, easy for someone with aphasia, with a communication disorder, to follow. And then when they're practicing the cooking skills, occupational the occupational therapy students will go through some adaptive um, tools or other uh, ways of um, actually cutting and, and um, scooping and all of those things that you need to do when you cook um, for folks who might have some um, hemiparesis and on one side of their body. So it's a, it's a really great group. I'm very excited that it's going on. It's been a couple of times now and um, will continue. And the uh, students have had a great time. Actually, um, often I use it as a level one field work for, uh, for a, a lucky OT student. Oh, it sounds great. And it's, it's really wonderful because at Sargent College and Craig Slater um, was a guest on, oh, on Health Matters, um, we've really made a commitment to interprofessional education. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a good example of interprofessional practice Absolutely. as well. In the last few minutes that we have, I want to ask you how you found occupational therapy as a career. Because a lot of times people are listening to our episodes and they're thinking about should I go into you know 
speech or should I go into engineering or should whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought maybe it would be interesting to hear, how did you find occupational therapy? Because that was not your background. You were at Skidmore and you were doing something so different. <laughs> I was a cultural anthropology major in my undergraduate, actually. And I hadn't ever heard of occupational therapy, unfortunately. Um, but I did do some neat things in between. Um, I was teaching um, history for a little while and uh, at a high school level and um, eventually ended up working at a, a group home for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And that's when I sort of started to realize um, the kind of profession I wanted to have and how hands-on I wanted to be. And um, so that's when I discovered occupational therapy. And I went back for my pre, did my prerequisites and applied to graduate school and got in and um, never looked back. That's for sure. It's a it's the best for me combination of um, science, creativity, and art, and um, psychology. And I can look at the whole person, and it's just such a great fit. I'm so glad that you found uh, occupational therapy, and you found it at Boston University. (laughs) So it's wonderful that, um, and so did I. And here I am. Yeah, Yeah. and here you are. Yeah, the same thing. We both both found, I didn't know about occupational therapy either, um, and found out about it through a whole other area that I was involved in, which was uh, having a a leather and ceramic business. So we found it in different ways and we found Boston University which of course I think is one of the the best educational environments for learning about OT. Mm-hmm. So Anne, thank you so much for being on Health Matters. This was really interesting. And anybody who's interested in occupational therapy, please go to the Sargent College website which is bu.edu/sargent and if you scroll down, you'll see occupational therapy there. So Anne, thanks again. Thanks so much, Karen.